a lot of what I do is anchored by community accountability. Like I feel like I've had a lot of opportunities to be in a lot of different spaces across our community and beyond. And when I go to those little places, it's like I'm picking up relationships and friends and responsibilities, honestly. And so for me, I'm kind of just navigating life with deference to the job that I've been given. So it's really less about me, it's more about just me doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And the people who are going to unapologetically be like, did you do what you're supposed to do? Because mm-hmm. if I'm at a table or wherever I am and there, and I, I recognize the opportunity and privilege that comes with that and my responsibility and uplifting the voices that might not be there or representing and speaking on behalf of, of people who have sent their message with me. You yeah. know? So I feel very invested in and, and I feel like that comes with a lot of responsibility. So I try to get it all done. Not always successful, but I try. Yeah, you are definitely yeah. getting it done. You yeah. talk about opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what what did that look like for you as a young woman? Mm-hmm. To, because to get to where you are today, you had to have people in your corner. Absolutely. You had to have people to say, hey, Lauren, you should look into this. Yeah. Lauren, you should consider this. Yeah. Lauren, I think if you do this job, yeah. this will help lead to something yeah. that you're really passionate about. Yeah. I, I'm... I've never really had like a a destination like ever. So mm-hmm. even like going to going to college that was, you know, that was more of a path but also was like the plan, you know, my parents pushed for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of beyond that, um, I got a scholarship to UW Madison and so that is why I went to Madison. Like it wasn't like I yeah. you know, like I did, I interviewed you know, I applied and interviewed with different schools, but you know, once the scholarship was available that was kind of the path and it was it, it was it and I think that that allowed me really early to not feel a sense of like failure or success that was rooted okay. in like a personal mission it was more like are you you know it, it was like the the, the the things that are important yeah. are you happy yeah are you finding joy are you finding value in the people that you're around are you a woman of service mm-hmm. um, are you listening like are you um, able to make money you know and able to save like it was the, the goals I've always had have always been rooted more like in those types of things okay. than like are you you know do you have a bachelor's do you have a master's yeah. do you have and, and I, I, I think the balance is important I'm not saying either one they they come with different things but completing like getting a bachelor's is, is is wonderful but the other side of that is being put in an opportunity to meet being put in a space to have the opportunity to meet different people mm-hmm. and figure that out and be challenged and navigate challenge and so much of the the journey, you know, the people talk about the journey and the destination, and the destination is the journey, and I think that that's really, I've been really present to the journey um, as, like, a destination for me, yeah. and the things that I'm picking up along those, so I kind of just ride the wave, and I have been doing that since, what <laughs> was longer, life? yeah, right, I probably, my whole life, honestly, yeah. probably gotten on my parents' nerves at different moments, but I really, I, I love that, ride though, the wave. because, mm-hmm. you know, every, everybody's story is mm-hmm. unique and different, mm-hmm. and so for you, you're saying, like, I didn't have, like, this major goal, like, I'm going to be here by this age, yeah. and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to live mm-hmm. here, I'm going to drive this car, mm-hmm. it was all about, like, um, you know, what can I do that matters, yeah. and, um, you know, how can I add value to people, mm-hmm. how can I add value to my community, mm-hmm. and you, mm-hmm. it sounds like you've chosen to just stretch yourself, you've chosen to be open, um, and you just chose to ride the yeah. wave, <laughs> yeah. and riding the wave has put mm-hmm. you 
someone yeah. who didn't have like this cookie cutter, mm -hmm. you know, um, goal yeah. template. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, I like Good. that because Good. because it gives other women and and, and girls, uh, you know, a chance to say, you know what, I, I'm okay that I may not always have it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but I know that I have the basics. Yeah, yeah. I think seeing really early, I'll say. So when I growing up, I always said, oh, I want to be a pediatrician. Like, you know, like, that's what I want to do. As a doctor, you help people. I like kids. Our math for, like, figuring out our careers when we were little was just so... Yeah. <laughs> we're young, you know? It's like you think about three or four jobs, and, like, that's what you can be. Um, I wasn't really... I realized, like, I wasn't really great at science. I loved my science teacher. Um, I have a book in here somewhere that she signed for me, like, when I was... Uh, when I, like, I just, I just thought the world of her. Yeah. Um, and so that's what put me in wanting to study science, but I realized, you know, going to college, I'm like, this is not for me. This is not where my strength is. And, um, but I still pursued it and I wanted to do pre-med. So I was like, okay, let me stick to something to just, to stick to something, you know? And then as I was preparing, like I served as an EMT, I served, you know, I worked with City Year, um, and I just like became more present to like, where are my strengths? Mm -hmm. And I think that how you, how you lead has to be rooted in like kind of where what you're good at um, it has to be rooted in what can generate revenue for you to sustain yourself and your family and it has to be rooted in like what the community needs i think sometimes that's where people get lost it's like they want to do a thing because they want to do a thing but they're not listening to like what's actually needed and so like me doing a thing because i want to do a thing to me would have been sticking with like medicine and maybe finding my wave or maybe finding out that it wasn't what i wanted to do but me listening to the community was me riding in the ambulance and talking to people and um, being in the education space and listening and learning and realizing that people need like people need like empowerment people need inspiration people need like to be happy and confident mm -hmm. and like I'm like how do I what's what's that job what's that job like that's what I think across sectors across disciplines like that's what I felt was missing from the people that from in the spaces that I was in so let's start there because you started, you know, as an EMT, EMT, yeah, and that opened your eyes yeah. to what you were just talking about, That's like right. what people need, mm -hmm. and then people didn't even know how to say what they need. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they, <laughs> they yeah. you, you said they were making calls, yeah. <laughs> unnecessary, yeah, just mm -hmm. you know, and so yeah, that. The leadership and you kicked in probably unknowingly. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't even really realize to say, okay, yeah. this is what people need, and I'm actually going to do something about mm -hmm. it. And it led you down to actually educating, yeah. you know, and then education, then you're leading, and, mm -hmm. and now you have pivoted, mm -hmm. and now you're like servicing mm -hmm. in a, a much larger capacity mm -hmm. with helping people yeah. with women yeah. and equity. Yeah. And um, making sure that, you know, where our stories are told and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, we're yeah. told, we're held, mm -hmm. you know, in high esteem. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's it's like um, the through line and all of the things that I've been doing have been about empowering people. Um, and, and that's where I say it's consistent. And also it's like, that's what we all have in common. Like, I don't care what you were born with, like, whatever. Um, I think that, I think that success 
ability to flourish is rooted in your own understanding of your situation and you feeling like you have access and choice to shift that in any way that you want to. And and people don't. And like that's an issue. And so that's what I think I was seeing on the ambulance where I'm like, some people just assume people are just like that because they either didn't, you know, they didn't work hard and that's the choice they're making. It's like, no, there's things like if you're, if you think about systems, which is something I'm very passionate about, is like having more and more people think about systems, okay. become systems thinkers. It's like you're looking at all of the different elements and how they interact in the world and what's kind of just, what is just in the air and in the water um, and how those things impact what's true for people and how people are showing up. Because the baseline assumption that I think everybody should live with is that you're no different than the person that you might be judging. You're just, you are just um, the result of circumstances in your life, just as much as they're the result of circumstances in their life. Mm -hmm. And if you had been in their shoes or if you had had the same encounters or not had the same encounters, you would make the same decisions that they were making. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you can humble yourself to think about that, that changes the way that you approach everything. Yeah. If you're a teacher, that changes the way that you approach that student that keeps getting up in the middle of class and throwing a chair. Like, you're like, you're not thinking like, wow, that's a bad kid, like blah, blah, blah. You're thinking like, what has been the set of experiences that have led this kid, that have led her, him to do these things? Because if I had those same experiences, I would be doing that. And I know that that's not like me, just like that's not like them. Mm -hmm. Same thing when you, you know, run into people who, when you run into people who are, who are like, figuring who are either the perpetrators or the, the receivers of microaggressions. It's like, why are they saying that? What do they know or, or don't know? And so now I'm in a space where I'm trying to experiment and I'm trying to reflect actually, which is why this is such a blessing because I'm trying to reflect on what were the moments in my life and the experiences in my life that like awakened me to that yeah. kind of thinking. Yeah. Because there's a difference between somebody telling you that and you actually going through something that makes you realize that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, what made me realize that? So that maybe I can recreate that experience so that people can have their own experience. Right. Because I don't think that there's one way to learn anything. But I do think that we don't pause and reflect enough. Mm -hmm. I think that our lessons are all around us. And we're just moving through life um, too quickly sometimes to actually just take a break and reflect and say, oh, actually, this is what I learned from that situation. Um, so that's why I think brings it all together from the ambulance to working at City Gear to work, raising money with Future for America to serving on all these boards and now working with professional dimensions to uplift women. There are lots of different paths because there are lots of different reasons why things aren't the, the way they should be. It's never just one answer. And so I think every all of us have to be um, brave enough to say, you know, what is my responsibility? Like school shootings happen all the way across the country, right? But like we should all be pausing and thinking like what is my responsibility in that or like when i hear about domestic violence situations like it's like that could not even be related to me that could be somewhere else but like i have a responsibility because in some ways i'm upholding a system that allows for that mm -hmm. so i have to think about what are the things that i've said or haven't said that have allowed to create a culture where that's not being held accountable in the way that it should yeah. be how did i vote you know who are the leaders that i'm that i'm uplifting um that are that are that are or are not going having the roundtables that are or are not making decisions or passing policy that better supports people, you know. So it's like always taking every issue and saying like, what is my responsibility in it? Yeah. That doesn't mean feel like guilty and fall back and be overwhelmed, but it's like, yeah. no, everybody has a little bit of responsibility in everything. 
Frank but that, again, yeah, polishing <laughs> with inquiry. Yes, yes, and not judgment. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm trying to ask a gotcha question. It's like I'm genuinely curious. I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely curious. Like Chris, why you called nine one one when you um, burned your hand? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. Like the burn is not that bad. Like you'll, you'll be okay. But you called nine one one to take you to urgent care, to take you to the hospital, or take you to the emergency room. Isn't right? that crazy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'm thinking yeah. we'll be riding, right? right? And I'm thinking like, okay, what? Why did you do that? Oh, you know, you could have just someone could have dropped you off. Y'all could have went to urgent care, or you could have, you know, whatever. But it's like literally asking, so why didn't you do this? And then you get an answer. Well, because that costs money. And I'm like, and I, in my head, I'm like, it costs like nine hundred dollars to ride in an ambulance. Like, we got this is an expensive drive. Like, we have machines and things running. Like, you sit on a cot and you're using the pillow and the thing, and we have to rip all that off. Everything mm -hmm. like this. This is an expensive situation when you could have gotten a car. But for for the woman I was talking to, it was like, well, that's $10 if I take a Uber, 10, 10 to 20 bucks if I take a taxi or Uber, there's nobody that can drive me, but because of the assistance I have, ambulance ride is $0. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And right, like it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. Right, right. You know, like, yeah, so I'm like, okay. Own. And then some people are just like lonely. They literally call because they want people to talk to, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, maybe there's a less expensive solution like than a nine hundred dollar ride in our time, mm -hmm. um, for you to get the support you need, and like that was before we were really comfortable talking about me like mental health in the ways that we are today, yeah. and that was a, that would have been an answer to half the calls that we got, yeah. right? And a much less expensive solution. And when I was in working in education, they used to always give the example of like um, using data from the the reading level of students like in the third grade to be able to determine how many prison beds that they were going to build right mm -hmm. it's like things like that where we would talk about investing in education for a much smaller amount of dollars and resources that have like ridiculous expensive implications later if you don't and so it's like this idea of preventative care and empowering people mm -hmm. um so it's like just listening to people and really trying to see how they've gone about solving their problems yeah um and i think there are also very technical skills related to like learning how to listen related to like good healthcare too because mm -hmm. like if i if i'm coming to an emergency situation and i need to know what's going on if i can't develop a level of trust with you that lets you feel like you can share freely with me you can tell me the truth about what your situation is i can get you going and get you to the hospital much faster when i know what's going on than if i have to figure everything out myself so like either ask you like what's been going on with you okay well how have you been treating it well what have you been thinking about it what do you usually do when this happens or I could try and like poke and prod and figure stuff out from like but that takes much longer it's less effective and so I think I learned early in that craft of the ability and need to like just get to know people really quickly get to know their situation really quickly mm -hmm. um, so that I could do my job better yeah. so it was really related to the success of my job too was being able to be listen so how does that translate in the role that you have today mm -hmm. as being this, this yeah. great, um, you know, effective listener and yeah. communicator? I don't know. I'm still growing. I think I'm still okay. growing a lot with communicating and listening, but it does give me a level of patience that I think is needed in this kind of work. Mm -hmm. I can sit across the table from anybody. 
people are like, oh no, they voted this way and they look this way and they're this and they came from here. And I don't know. I'm not going to reach out. But I think I have a level of patience and it's a blessing because I wouldn't put anybody. For some, some people are more triggered by different people and their mm -hmm. actions than I am. And I know sometimes on the flip, people are like, Lord, do you care? You know, like mm -hmm. sometimes I'll get that from people where it's like, you're not really like reacting. And it's like, I don't have strong react. Like there's not a lot that I haven't seen at this point that allows me a level of patience to just be like, okay, well tell me what you're, tell me what you're doing. Yeah. And like, even in the education space, like you learn about the, the theory of learning and how people learn. People can't learn when they feel defensive. People can't learn when they don't feel safe. People can't learn when they feel attacked. And so to me, if the overall goal is always education and understanding and learning, that I can't set up a space that feels like there's tension. Yeah. And I think I'm, I think I'm decent at trying to meet people where they are. Like I have a decent ability to meet people where they are because of the different experiences I've had. And I know, I know people value that because they'll be like, okay, I can, I feel like I can tell you stuff that I can't tell other people yet because they might react mm -hmm. certain way or they might be offended and rightfully so. Um, so I want to use that skill to like let people have more conversations that they need to have. What's one thing that you love about your current job, your role? that you get to do. Thinking about all yeah. the experiences that we talked about and we mm -hmm. discussed, what's something that you love? Um, I love the people. It's every, I love these women. They are like, in their own right and in their own way, they are leaders because they're committed to lifting while they climb. And I'm, all, I'm inspired, I find inspiration everywhere. Okay. That's, and that's what I love is like that I get to work somewhere that I can be inspired daily mm -hmm. by just having a conversation with someone, even if it's a tough conversation, or they're like, Lauren, you didn't get this done the right way, or people reacted this way. It's still like inspiring to come out of it and be like, wow, we both learned so much. Yeah. Like, let's go, let's go, keep, let's keep it rocking. Mm -hmm. And like, a lot of people don't realize that Professional Dimensions is volunteer driven. Like, like there's two of us in the office doing everything, you know, and I'm every and I'm everywhere, so. Really, it's like, I have to shout out Claudia because she's the one in the office kind of holding it down from like an operational logistical standpoint. Um, but everything else is driven by our boards. Um, and these are women who are busy, have incredibly busy lives, but value so deeply, um, like raising awareness and advocacy for women. Yeah. They, they value expanding their network with inclusivity and with authenticity and really getting to know and be around and be a community women who are different than them um, because they know the value of that diversity and helping them to become better leaders. Um, they understand the importance of advancing women, being advocates, being philanthropists, um, and cultivating relationships that will allow them to push. So, so technically we can do a lot. Like we're a C6 on the association side, we're nonprofit C3 on the other on our giving side. So between raising money and putting it towards women mm -hmm. to to like advocating even politically if needed in different places getting people to vote getting people to engage with democracy there's this piece of just like advancing women yeah. that that they that everyone's committed to mm -hmm. and then the last part is like around like developing self so it's like what are you doing to develop yourself as a conscious leader as a systems leader um and really saying like when i see an issue in some space i'm thinking about how all the systems are at play and what what is my power what is my role in that so it's like getting to do that every day in a community and in a society that doesn't really like embrace adult learning mm. 
like that's what I like. I like pushing up against that. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like so not cool to learn when you're older. Like yeah. you know, you get into these like corporate systems and like they don't create spaces where you can ask questions. Yeah. You can yeah. be chair like if you if you ask a question now everyone's like, Oh, that person doesn't know something. It's like why do we do that? Like you know, mm-hmm. like so you, it's like yeah. opening the space. Yes, like yeah, do the this. door to that. Mm-hmm. Now what do you think mm-hmm. is the difference? What's the distinguishing factor because you're a part of sorority? Yes. Sigma <laughs> Camaro. Yes, yes. And um, on the flip you lead a women's organization. Mm-hmm. What is the big distinguishing factor? Um, because we know yeah. that both have benefits. Yeah. I think it's the it's the history of the organizations. And kind of like the mission and then the makeup of the, the organization, meaning the women who are involved. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the biggest differentiating factor. So Sigma Gamma Rho, they're other other than that, they're very similar. Like we sisterhood, scholarship, service, all of the, all the um, historically black sororities are framed around those three concepts, which is very similar to professional dimensions, which I think made it a natural fit. Um, but the sorority, I think, spans a few more generations than, than professional dimensions, even though PD stretches quite a few sororities we enter like in our college years as well as like just out of college Mm -hmm. so you have like people in their 20s you know you got people in their 20s and then you got people in their 90s you know like all the sorority forever Mm -hmm. um but um I would also say that with the with Sigma Gamma Rho and and others being historically black like you have it's a lot of black women um in, in Sigma Gamma Rho versus PD is a little more diverse originally it was white women that kind of created it in the 70s um, and built it really based on kind of like that business world, you know, um, and that's who was in that world at the time, and now it's becoming more and more diverse, but I think sororities were, sororities were founded with a, with more of a justice lens. Um, we were, Sigma Gamma Rho was founded in 1922 in, um, in um, Indiana, like in the 20s, so like you're thinking about the KKK, like, Butler yeah. University, yeah. you know, PWI, um, so these seven black women who, and, and also like a big part of me joining was them being teachers, them being educators. Mm-hmm. And so how yeah. something, the reason why I think it's important to go back to the history is because um, the history, like the culture and like the ideals that are present when something is founded usually carry through. Yeah. And, and I thought that that was so powerful. Like those women were leaders, like to come together as black women middle of that and say we're we are going to create and uplift women and we're gonna um we're gonna create a space for women and we're also educators so we're gonna educate women we're focused on youth education mm-hmm. i thought that that was really powerful and i see that so much in the ways that my like sorors serve and lead yeah. um, so and we see that yeah. in you yeah okay. thank you yeah yeah you're so, doing exactly like, yeah. um you know what you had aspired to yeah. you know be mm-hmm. a part of Right. with your leadership with professional dimensions yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly you're yeah. doing exactly what you aspire to be yeah. so i love that i love that like all that you are and all that you're doing it flows together yeah, yeah it does yeah, it, really like, does. it just flows together and another another thing that you know aside from you as this professional woman mm-hmm. you dj lolo dj lolo <laughs> you dj That's lolo it. And I have been in spaces where um, DJ Lolo was like rocking the party, <laughs> <laughs> rocking the party. Yeah. And we talk about representation, like again across the board, professionally, and then in culture and entertainment, you are rep- 
representing us and you representing us well, how did that come into play? PJ Lolo. Same way everything comes it's into play. Like, just, you know, like, yeah. it was like, I mean, I've, I've been a percussionist. To be fair, I've been a percussionist, so I've been in music for a long time. Okay. Um, played the drums, joined a percussion ensemble while I was in high school, thanks to my mom, really, like, you know, my mom and dad. I had a cousin on my dad's side that um, was a professional drummer. Ooh. So definitely grew up loving that space and being in the percussion space. Um, so a lot of like kind of the rhythm and mixing and like live production, I'll call it, is like natural. It feel it's pretty natural, but it's like putting those skills to work in service. Okay. So it was like so much of everything I do started with just service. Um, and I would go to events and people would be like, I'm like, what do you need me to do? I'm thinking like they might need me to, you know, participate, be on the program, pass out the program, clean, serve the food. It's like it was always like play the music. Play the music. Can you bring the music? Can you bring a speaker? Can you play the music? Mm -hmm. So, and then between that and then just like getting interested in it from going out, I'm like, these DJs aren't really like, this can't be that difficult. And that's more of the music okay. mind. I'm like, yeah. I wonder if I could do this because mm -hmm. some of these transitions are a little questionable. Right. You know, like, I'm like, this can't be yeah. that difficult. How are people getting paid to do it was I can't I remember going into one spot that kind of like triggered me like I was just like this is I gotta I gotta change the game because I went into a spot the DJ was playing music and the DJ was the only person dancing and I'm like this is so like wrong like we're paying we're buying drinks we're here and the DJ the only one having fun with his own music. I was like, this is so like whack. And he's right. probably getting paid. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, I gotta do something about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you had to do so first thing. I had to go, I went and found some, like this little controller at Best Buy. It was like mm -hmm. on the clearance rack. It had been opened and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, let me just see. And um, and yeah, from there, like it kind of grew. Like uh, my roommate was just like super supportive. You know, I'd be in there practicing. We'd throw like a little party. So this party. started back in college? Yeah, this started, yeah. This started like just out of college. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then my friend was opening this bar. Well, one of my really good friends too, she, she had a friend um, named Ben who was opening a bar on Water Street called Foreman. And it was brand new. And she was like, just go see if you could just kind of connect you with Ben. And then from there, I feel like that's, so a lot, my whole like DJ history is connected to the existence of Foreman as well, okay. which is why that's always like such a special spot for yeah. me because that's like really where I really started DJing when we started having lines around the corner to like mm -hmm. come into this bar. That, yeah, you know, that I remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. And I can't remember the yeah. first time where I was in the presence of DJ Lola, yeah. but I was like, wow. Because yeah. first, as a woman, yeah. you're like, look at her. Yeah. You know, and you think about MC. Yeah, in the in the business and yeah. hip hop and you know um, things like that and your like representation. Yeah, to see that and I and I remember one of the last times um, I had seen you mm -hmm. and you were like um, back to service. You were yeah. like, oh yeah, like just let me know. Like yeah. I'll do a group with the girls so they can yeah, learn how yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it was just like I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. she she does. Yeah, yeah, she does. I care. Yeah, I care about that. That, that matters, you're right. Like that representation, it really does. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think I was even thinking about it as much mm -hmm. as people telling me like, yo, this matters. Mm -hmm. Like, and then the community just wrapping their arms around me. Like, you know, and that happened so much. Like I didn't come in trying to make a job of it or make money of it. I was just trying to serve and show people that there are other ways to do things, mm -hmm. you know? And like the way that you, like the way that other people just come in and say like, no, 
Yeah, Lolo, book Lolo, like the way that everybody just jumped on board, like made me have to do it. I can tell you yeah. how many times I was like, I'm gonna be done. I'm gonna be done. <laughs> then you had to And then somebody's like, well, I got a wedding in a year. And yeah. I'm like, oh man, so I guess I gotta be there for another year at least, you know? Mm-hmm. But people just, I haven't always been perfect. I've grown over time. But the way that people just, you pour into people, people pour into you. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm at the point where I wanna like train more young ladies. Not even young ladies, anybody, any I'm women, like any women that want to like start <laughs> learning, like, like at least just show you, right? Because I can't do everything that comes my way, and I think about this in PD when you're talking about like the the overlay. I feel the same way about PD. Like I want to like bust down the doors, break the ceilings, and then just like let people in. I want to be like that 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 space. But if I get there and I and it, I'm like, I need people to come with yeah, me, though. Like, yeah, for sure. So, like, when people reach out and I can't do a gig, I don't want to give the gig back to the world. I want right. to give it to specifically the black yeah. women. I want to, and that's what they're looking for usually yeah. when they reach out to me. So, I, I feel like that's where I want to grow in my DJing is like being able to really just have that list of people who are available and ready to pop in. Yeah, we need um, to do a Lincoln All Women. Yeah, yes, yeah, for real. That would be dope. Yeah, like so. Anybody us. interested in music and all that, like I can set you up. I want to. I want you to be successful. I want you to build a business, you know. Um, this information I have isn't mine. Mm-hmm. It's it's ours, yeah. you know, and like, I think that's important. And we so. could tell by just your leadership because you're you're the second woman with professional dimensions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to lead. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're an African-American woman. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because it's a big deal if you look at the history of PD and what mm-hmm. they've grown into. That was three women. That was three women that started having meetings and said, hey, we got to be here for each other. And we got to be confident in advocating for each other. And we bet there's probably women in other fields that are dominated by men that are undervalued and are being heard or are, are being marginalized using the word professional. Mm-hmm. Your hair's not professional. Mm-hmm. Your emotions aren't professional. Yeah. Um, so how are we getting people together and we, we are professional mm-hmm. and we're multidimensional, right? Like we're not just our work dimension. We're sisters, we're mothers, um, we're caregivers, you know? Um, and they came together and that grew over time. They said it's three, it was three of them. Just and then they're like, then it's five, then it's 10. And it's like, let's pay some dues. Let's pool our money. Let's pool our money from an operational standpoint and let's pay some bills, let's get an office, let's build, you know, let's pull our money on a philanthropic on the philanthropic side. Let's invest in the things that we know need to be invested in. Let's make a wave. Let's start honoring women who are trailblazing um, and who are creating paths for other women. And it's just, now it's like we got a whole CEO. Mm-hmm. Like that's power. That's powerful to see. Yeah. And, and she's a black woman. Yeah, right, right. right. And this organization, that's just, to me, joining PD, I, I was like so fascinated with this, like, I call it sometimes like the sandbox. Like this okay. is our, if we can get it right in PD, we have the model and the formula to get it right in other places. Mm-hmm. Because PD was founded by white people, right? So how, is it possible to take an organization that was created for and by white people or to advance white people mm-hmm. and make it something that can work for everybody? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do it in PD, do it in the United States. I don't know, you know, like it could happen. And so if you think about all the opportunities that exist with all these organizations that are generating wealth and and uplifting white people, is it possible to make them places that benefit everybody? And I feel like PD is an example. Like if we can get it right here, that's our sandbox. That's our model. That's our proof point. That 
they can happen in other places. Mm-hmm. And the places we get stuck are the places where other people are probably going to get stuck. Um, but we're going to work it out, work through it, and maybe we can do it quick enough mm-hmm. and have kind of the answers. So that's kind of what I'm, it's like an experiment too, you yeah. know, which I love. Yeah. So, so yeah, DJ, Amazing. TV, you know, it's the Rory, it's all, yeah. it's all towards the same end. Lolo. Yeah, that's it. Amazing, yeah. girl. So thanks for, Amazing. Yeah, thanks for this. you want to share with us because again your journey was not always cookie cutter mm-hmm. and so for the women who may have in their head that mm-hmm. oh my god I didn't do this yeah. I didn't do that at that time at that yeah. age what do you have to say to them start today build what it is that you want don't wait for stuff like and everything that you need is going to be rooted in the relationships that you have. So don't do it by yourself. Um, it's impossible to like really build a strong, sustainable anything by yourself. And so something I would say to women is be a part. It doesn't have to be professional dimensions. It doesn't have to be Sigma Gamma Rho. But you need to be a part of a network of women. Mm-hmm. You do. And like you need to be a part. You need to be in community. Um, you need to be around people who are different from you, people who think differently than you, um, and you need to just go after it. Like you don't, it's not always about resources. Don't think that you have to wait till you raise a bunch of money to do X, Y, Z. Think about what you need. Build relationships. Have partnerships. Trust people again. Be in community again. Like it is safe. It works. And I think one of the hardest things about what we're dealing with after COVID too is that it silos us.